Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up on Believe in Soccer, their longtime captain, their Ironman, one of the most popular players in the 25-year history of a franchise, Luis Robles, on facing the only MLS team he'd ever known prior to this season. On the Shep Messing Daily Cast, next. Hi and welcome everyone. This is Shep Messing's podcast. My name is Steve Cangelosi. When you think of Luis Robles, you think of a cornerstone and last line of defense on three MLS Supporters Shield winning sides. Wednesday evening in South Florida, he is the Red Bulls opponent. Sounds strange because he connected with fans on this team, Shep, perhaps more than any goalkeeper or captain in the team's history. Steve, I love Robles. I mean, I love the guy. We came to know him over the years. Obviously, as a goalkeeper, I think all the Red Bulls supporters know how superb he was. But as a man, as as a guy, a family guy, grounded, humble, uh, I just have a lot of admiration for him. And I think, I think, really, he's underestimating how emotional it's going to be for him to play against this Red Bull team. 183 consecutive starts, and we can't forget he was looking for a job in 2012, and he says he was very close to getting out of the game altogether. Life is funny that way. Yeah, the highs and the lows, and and, and look, it's good advice at every age. I've heard it from big-time players, and it's advice I give to players. The single best advice you could give a player is don't give up. Keep going. Keep trying. You're going to hear a lot more no's than you are going to hear yeses. And that moment in, in Luis Robles, his career, when he was, he was ready to take a sales job, don't give up. And he never gave up. Give me his legacy, because this is an interesting one. He never got to an MLS Cup final with this team, even though statistically, point-wise, they had the best team in the league three times. Uh, Sports has many examples of situations like this. Don Mattingly never got to a World Series as a New York Yankee. How do you define Robles' time in New York? Well, I I define it as as a great period in his life, both personally and for the team. Look, you just alluded to it. We could list the names of great athletes that never got a ring, never won a championship. That doesn't diminish how good they were. Uh, look, would he love to get a ring? Absolutely. But I'll tell you this. He's, what, 36 years old? You look at Tim Howard, Brad Friedel, Marcus Hanneman, Tony Miola. Uh, the first three guys all played into their 40s. Tony, I think, until he was 39. So Robles still has a good three or four years ahead of him, at least. The conversation that you're about to hear was taped for the MSG Network in advance of Wednesday night's game against Inter-Miami. But this is the raw conversation, all of it, not the condensed version. And it began with me asking Robles if Wednesday will be emotional. Uh, I mean, recently I've been asked that quite a bit. I don't don't think so. Um, I think the emotional one will be at Red Bull Arena. And our team had a very difficult start starting the season 0-5. We came back from the tournament, and it really seems that we're starting to get going. And, of course, you've seen some of the bigger news, us adding players. The roster is feeling more and more complete. And as we advance uh, with each game, we do feel, as a team, we're playing better. 
Um, and so beating Atlanta last weekend and now looking forward to the next game against New York Red Bull, of course, there's always going to be a part of it that is, well, you know, that's my former club. It's the first time that I'm playing against them. But the priority is, is can we get two wins in a row? So for me, that is the focus. I think the part that comes into it that is, is a little strange is, of course, as we're game planning, I'm watching set pieces. I'm watching some of their tactics. I'm like, wow, I'm, you know, I know those guys pretty well. And so maybe tomorrow when we line up and I see them, it'll feel a little weird. But right now, because of what's at stake, um, it, it does feel like business as usual. And um, I said earlier, Red Bull Arena will be a, a little bit of a different experience. Um, but tomorrow it is about how can we, as a group, put together uh, a string of performances that get us the most points possible so that we can keep growing as a group. When you walked off the field after the playoff loss to Philadelphia, there was the image that I think devout Red Bulls fans will never forget. You and Bradley Wright Phillips embracing as if to signal, this is it. This chapter of our careers has come to an end. Did you know then that your New York career was over? I couldn't say definitively, but we had a really good feeling. Um, the couple of weeks leading up to that match, we had, we'd spent some time just going out and it felt like we were just reminiscing because I mean, definitely on Brad's end, it felt like it was done for him. Um, there wasn't much going on in the background in terms of dealing with his future. So that at least indicated to him that, that it was time to move on and he wanted to keep playing. He wasn't ready to, to end on that note. And I'm really glad he didn't because look how, how well he's doing with LAFC. For me, it was a little bit of, I didn't know where I was. I could tell that they didn't necessarily see me as being back the next year. There were just the lack of conversations that was going on that put me in a weird space. So, you know, I'm, I've been around the block. I've seen, I've seen how these things go. So I, I didn't want to be surprised. So in my mind, in my heart, I'd already started to process that, that this was probably it. I guess for me, what I was trying to figure out was if I wanted to keep playing. Um, we, we were living in an incredible town and an incredible community, part of a, a church that we felt like we were a, a big part of and growing that community. So it wasn't just so simple. It wasn't just about soccer. And so as we were getting ready for that Philly game, um, I, was, I was hoping that we could put together the sort of run that would cap it all off. And yet it, it didn't go that way. So for me, it was really important to grab Brad and, and, and he felt the same way and just sort of enjoy that moment because um, we had a really, really good idea that that was the last time that we were probably going to be teammates. I mean, unless we were reunited down the road, but at least wearing that jersey, that was going to be the last time that that we were Red Bull teammates. You requested that the Red Bulls decline your option because at least that way it gave you an element of free agency where you could pick your team. Why Miami? And was David Beckham involved in the courting process at all? I mean, the last question, no. David wasn't, David wasn't involved at all. Um, my first interaction with David was, wasn't until I'd signed. Um, 
Miami to, so there, there are actually quite a bit of teams that called and up until then I hadn't really used an agent during my time in, in major league soccer, but I felt like since this was free agency and I was going to be talking to GMs that I'd never really talked to before, it would be advantageous to, um, to, to work with an agent. And so on that first day, he said he didn't really know what to expect. And yet it was a delightful surprise that so many teams still thought that, uh, that I could be an, uh, an asset to the organization. And the, the ones that really stuck out um, were the ones that seem primed and ready to win. And by adding me, uh, it would just make them stronger in their quest to win MLS Cup. And yet, when we spoke about Miami, there was something about that challenge and that idea that for me at least felt like this is the best growth opportunity. Um, I think not only to be a part of a franchise that's starting up from the ground, from the ground up, um, but then also just to apply some of the experiences that I've had as a player and as a leader to a locker room that was starting from scratch. And I didn't in any way, shape or form think that the experience would be like it has been because you throw in all the other stuff that has been a part of 2020. But this year has only uh, confirmed to me that I made the right decision. There's just so many different avenues in which I've been able to apply myself. And I've also been able to um, sort of submit myself to the growth process, not only as a player, and as a leader, but, but really as a person. So we, we goalkeepers, we always remember the goals against, right? You, you see it, you can feel it. It's like that little knife sticks into you. But you also remember the biggest save. I mean, do you think of one or two saves you made in your career? I know I do. Um, no. Unfortunately, I, I think about, just like you said, I think about the goals that I gave up. I think about the opportunities I wish I could have saved the ball because we would have been one step closer to getting the, the ultimate treasure, MLS Cup. I think about the fans that have suffered so long um, with this organization and that they do deserve uh, to experience that elation of winning MLS Cup. And, and I wasn't able to bring that to them. And I know that might come off as a very like overly critical um, perspective. But, I mean, that's just who I am. You know, this is what I think has allowed me to succeed because I still think at 36 years old um, with almost 400 professional games under my belt that I still can be a better goalkeeper today than I was yesterday. And, and I'm just going to highlight a moment because at the end of 2012, we spoke and at the end of 2013, we spoke in, in 2014 before the Arsenal game, we spoke. And those three conversations were not only the sort of constructed feedback that I needed as, as a goalkeeper, but, you know, as a, as a leader, um, especially that last one in Arsenal. Uh, we were in New York City. I don't remember what sort of rooftop bar we're at. We're getting ready for the game and all the marketing that came along with it. But you started talking to me as if I was a leader, and I just started to think, man, shoot, maybe I am a leader. Uh, maybe I can step into this role and, and be the sort of leader that this defense needs, that this team uh, could benefit from. Those are really impactful conversations. And so for, for a guy that um, 
has gone through it, who's gone a mile in my shoes to then turn around and help the next generation of goalkeeper uh, speaks volumes about you, but I just want you to know that it, it was a massive benefit to me. You know, I still remember the advice of how I had to shape my body so that I'm able to deflect more to the side or maybe out of bounds as opposed to giving up a rebound. Because remember in 2013, the first goal that I gave up to Mike McGee was that where someone had shot the ball and it was the last game. It was the game that we needed to win to win the supporter shield. And there was a shot and I saved it, but the ball went to Mike McGee and he, and he put it away. Fortunately, we had this incredible game and we won five, two and we won the shield, but that was part of the conversations is, Hey, like in your training, if you can consider this, you didn't come from a position of, oh, I know everything and I'm going to tell you this so that you can be a goalkeeper like myself. No, you came from a position like a peer. And he said, hey, like, you know, I've noticed this. If you can do this, I really think that it's going to make you a better goalkeeper. And considering your advice, I, I felt like I did a pretty good job of applying that to my career. Uh, so take it, take what you will from that. I think it's allowed me to make some of the saves that you're asking me to recall but unfortunately, with my nature, I, I remember more of the goals I conceded. What is it like to be in the locker room? And this happened for you August 22nd after the first win in a franchise's history. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, that was awesome. I mean, that, that was awesome because we were 0-5. You know, I mean, it, it might have been just as cool if we won our first game. But to get that monkey off our back after being 0-5 was such a – uh, a relief for us. And I think that's how everyone felt. I felt like there'd be a little bit more of a celebration, but you know, our coach was just focused because of how condensed the schedule is. He was really focused on moving on to the next one, but there was definitely a collective side of relief. I think throughout the entire organization when that whistle blew and we were able to collect our first three points as a, as a franchise. They do things in a big way, Miami. You're one of the stars of MLS in the past decade. Pizarro, Matuidi, soon the debut of Gonzalo Higuain. Can all of this talent come together quickly enough for something special to happen this season? I hope so, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm part of that process. And, and they told me from the very beginning that this is why they're bringing me in, is they recognize that I was a part of a couple different eras while I was at Red Bull. And when I first came here, it was very much this sort of era where they're bringing in a lot of foreigners, um, big names, that don't really understand the league and they're going to need someone to help navigate. And so I'm fortunate enough to be able to, to do that right now. But I remember in 2012 when I showed up and, and they're in the same locker room as Thierry, right? Like, like one of the greatest players of my generation, possibly in, in, in European history. And there he is. We're teammates. It's like, it was almost, it, it, it was almost sacrilegious to say that we were teammates at the time, but we were, and we had to figure that out. And for him, he was the one that was trying to figure it out. So now I'm sitting in this locker room and right away, Blaise Matiti comes in and he's a world cup winner. And then now a week ago, um, Gonzalo shows up and he's played and succeeded at some of the biggest clubs in the world, as well as made it all the way to the world cup final. And it's part of my responsibility to help, integrate them into the group. But the one thing that has been, that has made my life a lot easier is they fully understood 
probably through David Beckham framing the project, what they were getting themselves into. And so right away you could sense their energy and their optimism on how they can add, how they can um, help other players and how they can make this experience better for everyone. So for them to have that perspective and that attitude only makes my life easier. It makes Diego's life easier. It makes Paul's life easier. And they've been great. I mean, I mean, of course, there's certain things that you glean right away that, okay, that these guys are just at a different, they're at a different stratosphere uh, altogether. And yet when they're in the locker room and when we're on the field, it is about making this team better. So I, I imagine that as with each passing game, and of course the moment that Gonzalo is introduced to the group on the field uh, in a game, it's just going to continue this process and uh, it's going to get better and it's going to get better. It's going to feel more complete. And hopefully it gets to the point where now we're competing um, for the playoffs. I mean, obviously we're in there right now trying to get a playoff spot, but there's still a lot of games to go. And, and our objective is not only to continue to climb that, that table and be in a playoff position, but be a competitive team, be a, uh, a more complete team, and, and that's a real challenge. 183 consecutive starts, an MLS record that might stand for a very long time. I remember the heartfelt message that you sent to Red Bulls fans a few days before that Ironman streak was coming to an end. Is that your proudest accomplishment, playing that many in a row? No. No, I don't even know. I don't even know if that makes the top five, if I'm being honest. Um, my proudest accomplishment was that first shield in 2013 to be a part of the group that brought the first piece of significant silverware to Red Bull arena. Uh, that was a really big accomplishment. And not only, not only for the organization, but for me personally, because that's really um, one of the more proud moments that I, that I've had personally as a player. So that, that to me sort of takes the cake is, is to be, uh, on the field and, and to be a part of that group in 2013 that, that won the Supporters Shield for the first time. You won Shields under two head coaches, Mike Petke and Jesse Marsh. Jesse Marsh and Chris in that last season, yes. Uh, they're all very different people. Did you take anything from each that still kind of shapes you today? Of course. I mean, I, I mean, Chris, Chris was just an incredible supporter of – of my growth in so many different ways. And you guys have had the opportunity to talk to Chris. He's just, he's an incredible person. So my experience with him ever since 2015 was, was just so positive. Uh, Jesse is a guy I still keep in touch with and I've learned a lot from Jesse and, and you guys have seen his career has really taken off and I'm excited to see where it ends up. You know, I'm excited to see him coaching at the highest levels as well as coaching the U S national team. Um, I mean, cause that's just where I feel like he's going to end up, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of funny. Cause I, I have, it hasn't really hit me the way that I thought it would until talking to you guys, like actually now sitting here thinking about that experience and the journey and the highs and the lows, uh, and everything in between, uh, what an incredible time, like, I mean, I'm just so glad that the organization took a chance on me in 2012. 
that on August 8th, I'm sitting in my living room in Sierra Vista, Arizona, all by myself. I don't know where anyone's at. I'm just sitting there by myself, waiting for my phone to ring. And, and the last conversation I had was Ali Curtis, who at the time was working at the league. And he told me, I don't think anyone's going to take you. <laughs> like, I think we're going to have to figure out how, uh, how we do the waiver draft maybe tomorrow. I just don't think anyone's going to take you. And I actually, at that point in my career, really appreciated the honesty. So I wasn't expecting anything. And, and I get off the phone with him and five minutes later, he calls back and says, hey, um, you're going to New York. You're going to New York Red Bulls. And I just thought, wow, okay, this is, um, this is going to be brief. You know, I don't know why they take me. Uh, they have, you know, Ryan was playing incredible and, and he was up for rookie of the year and, and then Bill Gaudet stepped in for him and was just on fire. I remember watching, they play like Montreal or something and he was playing and I was like, who is this guy? He's incredible. But not watching and thinking I was going to go to the New York Red Bulls. I was just watching an MLS game. And so when they selected me, I was thinking, there's no way I'm going to end up here for that long. And, and I did find out a couple years later that right away uh, teams had called and they were looking to trade. But the moment they knew that they were going to hold on to me is they put me in to play a reserve game. And it was up in Montreal. And I didn't know what to expect. Uh, things didn't really end that well for me personally in Germany. My confidence wasn't at its highest point. So I went to Montreal and I ended up playing this game and I played really, really well, actually in front of Jesse Marsh. And um, in that afternoon, they told me that several teams had called and they wanted to trade and like, no, we're going to hold on to this guy and see what happens. But even then, it's not like anyone could have known that it was going to go the way that it did. So when I think about my time, um, the first thing that comes to mind is guys like yourselves, like being able to, to form these relationships over time and to sort of experience what this organization has been about during those eight years. Um, the relationships I had with, with some of the supporters and the season ticket holders, uh, the relationships that I formed outside of soccer in New Jersey, in New York, um, that, that to me just makes me really smile when I think about my time at the New York Red Bulls. Um, so there's just no way I could look at it and think, oh man, like it didn't end the way I wanted to. Gosh, it didn't end the way Tom Brady wanted it to. Like it, it, that's just, that's a Taylor's oldest time in sports. That's just the way it goes. So when I think back about the time and sorry, it's, I'm just going on forever. Um, gosh, I'm just so proud of that time. I'm so thankful for the organization taking a chance and, um, you know, I'm so thankful that they they allowed my wife and myself to to raise a family in that area and, and have health insurance while she was pregnant when we first met. <laughs> I eat cheeseburgers and French fries, and you and I have talked about really it's important at this stage of your career how you take care of yourself. Have you added any elements? Yoga, nutrition, certainly you watch everything you do. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a real jungle out there uh, at 36 years old, and it's a battle. Um, it's a battle with my weight. It's a battle with so many different things. And when you look at the schedule and how condensed it's been, the turnaround time is 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 crazy. It's it's unlike anything I've ever experienced. And so I have to find ways to fall asleep, and uh, I have to take care of my body because it doesn't bounce back as quickly and I'm not as spry the next day after traveling or, or after a game. So I've incorporated a lot of yoga. I've cut out certain things in my diet. Um, I drink a lot less beer. 
<laughs> uh, one of my favorite things, though, is still to unwind at the end of the day with my wife. And, and instead of, you know, drinking a beer or two, it's, it's just having a glass of wine with her. Um, because there's also something about that time that we spent together and that decompress that I think has also helped me mentally. It's allowed a lot of the stress of the day and the pressure that I feel to sort of melt away. And it's not because of the wine, it, it's because of my wife. And when I look at the time that, that we've spent together over the last 11 years as a married couple, but uh, just throughout my career, she, she's, she's usually the answer to a lot of the, she's usually the answer to the question. That's Luis Robles. And in that conversation, you sense what his time in New York meant, not only to him as a player, but really shaping his entire life. Absolutely. And, and we heard him speak about he didn't know whether he wanted to quit at that point, not because he, he thought he couldn't play, but the life he had carved out in New Jersey uh, with his family, with his church, with his friends, with the organization, he was unsure whether he wanted to go forward and play in another city. And now he's in such an exciting situation as well. A team that scored 11 times, conceded 15, one that comes off a victory several days ago against Atlanta United on the road. There's a lot to be excited about in South Florida. And once the fans are allowed to get into the building, that should take it to a whole nother level. And a new group of people connected to this league will get an appreciation of what he's all about. But tell me about his skill set now. He's 36. Where is that exactly? I've talked to him about that very thing, Steve, and, and in terms of giving him some advice as you navigate the last, the later years in your career. And he knows full well he's going to adjust his game. I think physically he's in superb shape, takes care of himself. He's a 24-7, watches his body, works out, does yoga. The skill set isn't going to diminish Sure, the reflexes, they're going to go a little bit, but he's going to compensate for that by reading the game, anticipating the game. Part of being a goalkeeper, and it's the reason why goalkeepers really didn't get into their prime until they're in their 30s, he has now seen just about every situation in a game that he's going to see. So that goes into muscle memory for him, and what he loses in terms of athleticism He's going to make up for it in terms of reading the game. Gonzalo Higuain on Tuesday went through his first full training session, although it's unclear at this time when exactly he will play. Before we turn our attention to the Red Bulls and the importance of this game for them, which seems to be monumental when you consider the game that they come off of, Higuain, how big of a deal is this for Major League Soccer and for Miami? I think it's huge. Look, I, I also thought Rafa Marquez was huge, so I could be wrong. I mean, Rafa Marquez had all the makings of being the anti-David Beckham, the bad boy, the Mexican national team hero in a New York, New Jersey metropolitan marketplace. He did nothing to, to move the meter. Now, you talk about Miami, that gateway to South America. Major League Soccer has been looking at Miami for a number of years as Look, do we roll the dice? We can't fail there. And if we work in Miami, it's going to really elevate the stature of Major League Soccer. I think Higuain is the perfect guy who could do that. The Red Bulls need a victory. Uh, they stand eighth in the conference, but here's how perilous their situation is. If Inter-Miami was to win the game Wednesday, they would draw even with the Red Bulls in the overall standings after an 0-5 start. The Red Bulls need to put aside 
another late collapse at home several days ago. Is it difficult to put that in the back of your mind? What do you expect from them on Wednesday? And will it be a similar lineup, do you feel? Well, Steve, to the first question, I don't know what to expect because when we talk to Bradley Carnell, you hear his optimism. What he's really doing is trying to give his players confidence because I've got to believe in that locker room It's a fragile psyche, not just the way they lost that last game, but go back to the D.C. United game. I mean, that's that's a calamity, the goal that D.C. United scored at the end of the game to win. So two out of the last three have been nightmare losses. Bradley Carnell's got to buoy their confidence. Hopefully they'll come out with a little bit of swagger, thinking that they could get this Miami team before they get hot. As to the lineup, Look, I think it's going to be similar. The real question for me, as always, who's going to be that striker up top? If they push Royer up like they've been doing, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Jorgensen, Tom Barlow, or Brian White? Ryan Mara is expected to miss the game a second straight time. David Jensen is expected to get the start and goal after giving up the Olympico to Harris Madunyanen. We spoke with Bradley Cornell on the eve of the game. What's interesting here, and this speaks to the importance of the Red Bulls banking victories now, Kaku and Christian Caceres, he revealed, could be gone for a stretch of three to five games on international duty in October. There is a premium on getting three points as often as possible between now and the first week of October. Absolutely. And, and really, when you think about players on this Red Bulls starting 11 that are irreplaceable, Kaku for me is. Yes, you could throw Omir Fernandez. You could throw Ben Mines. You're not talking about a guy like Kaku who can really thread that ball around, penetrate a defense. First of two meetings at least this season between the Red Bulls and Inter Miami. The next one will be October 7th at Red Bull Arena. Unclear if any fans will be allowed in the building at that time. On the next edition of Believe in Soccer, players who have never held the title best of their generation because Pelé, Maradona, Ronaldo, and Messi stood in their way. Join us for an interesting conversation on the next edition of the Chef Messing Daily Cast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.